Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we will study God's Word. Well, welcome to a gloomy day outside, but a bright day full of hope on the inside. I'm Brian Wren, your transition lead pastor. And if you were here earlier, I think some are dressed as me today. I think I got it. Did you get that? I don't usually tuck my shirt in, though, so... There was a little bit of difference, but uh, the posture was pretty good up here. I appreciated that. That, that, was, that was good. The acronym was a little long, but I liked, I liked actually the acronym. That was personal. I appreciate that. It's so good to be with you today. And on this day, we have a special guest that I'm going to introduce to you in just a moment. But I need you to understand some of the background. You may not know that you're part of an evangelical covenant church. We are called Peninsula Covenant Church. That's part of the greater evangelical covenant church. And the reality is our evangelical covenant church is made up of about 11 conferences. There's a map you'll see up on the screen in just a minute. But these 11 conferences include Canada and all throughout the United States. And we're broken down in these conferences. And we have great leadership in our denomination that we actually are grateful for and have what we seem great partnership with. We're part of the Pacific Southwest Conference, and today we have with us Brian Murphy. Brian Murphy is the superintendent of that conference. And what's great about Brian Murphy, when we saw that it was him to be our next superintendent, we all cheered and we're like, we'd like that guy. And we're glad that he's our leader. And so it's been neat. He's only been in it for four months, but this is what you need to know about Brian. The basics are this. He's been married almost 25 years. He's got three kids and four grandkids. He spent some time with some of them just yesterday. He spent 15 years in corporate America and uh, had a lot of different roles, but is a, was a project manager, could get things done when it came down to it. And then he's been 22 years over at South Bay Church over in the Fremont area. That's a covenant church. And for 10 of those, he was the lead. And so he's had a vast variety of experience. And so as he comes today to continue in the book of James, could we just clap for him as he comes forward? Good morning, PCC. Um, first, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm still just excited to be back in church with people that love Jesus. I mean, just to... Just to be together, to sing, to worship. I, I believe this is the first baptism I've been in in, um, uh, in the building for since I've been in this role of just a few months. So uh, let me just say a quick word of greeting on behalf of your 150 plus uh, covenant sister churches in the Pacific Southwest Conference. Greetings. Uh, it is wonderful that we are a growing family that is worshiping, that is loving, that is reaching out. Uh, to the four corners of the earth with the good news of Jesus Christ. So on behalf of your covenant family, greetings this morning. Um, I've been given this wonderful task of joining you in this, in this series uh, on the book of James. I'm going to read the scripture in just a moment, and then we'll pray and, and hear what God has for us. I do want to say one thing, though. Uh, in my faith tradition, uh, I'm used to a little interaction. So... For our closet Pentecostals, there's always a couple hiding in the pews. Uh, this is your Sunday. Now, you don't have to dance or run around the room, but periodically feel free to throw up an amen or an oh my. Uh, just say, sometimes I was reminded that, uh, you know, we have the mothers of the church that when it's not going so well, they say, uh, help them, Lord. So whatever feels appropriate <laughs> in the moment, 
just uh, periodically out of grace and mercy, an occasional amen would be much appreciated on my end. Um, Thank you. Good start. Okay, so let's look at the scripture for this morning. Uh, I'm covering James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Let's begin by hearing uh, from James. Chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that the spirit he calls to live in us envies intensely? But he gives more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? (laughs) My God. Bow with me, please. Father in heaven, we thank you for the atmosphere, for the worship that's been laid before you for the confessions of faith, for a a profession that you are our beginning and our end, our strength and our shield. So, Father, would you come among us in this moment and allow your word to reach every person, every household, everyone within the sound of my voice. Would you reduce the messenger so that the good news of Jesus Christ may be heard in our hearts and our minds, that we may be transformed in this moment and made into an instrument for your glory. Have your way in this moment, we pray. And all God's children said, amen. 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 So I thought it was nice of Pastor Brian to give me submit to God as the sermon topic for today in my first visit to PCC. Normally you kind of let people enter on in with uh, God is love kind of thing, but uh, (laughs) praise the Lord. Thank you, uh, Pastor. But you can't avoid it. James doesn't pull punches. James gets right to the heart of the matter. He is very direct and very clear on what it means to be a called out people of Jesus. 
And he's been doing this along this whole journey through James, right? He's been talking about our, our propensity to have power struggles, to, to see people as, as different levels or, or classes, some worthy of more attention. He's, he's talked about our, untreatment, uh, our unfair treatment of people who which we have power over, employees or maybe just other people uh, with other dynamics that we can kind of push around to our own needs. He even got... Uh, the bold enough to talk about fights in the church. And that some people who are teachers and leaders of believing they have the fullness of understanding of the word and, and judging other people who don't agree with their position. James is all in, as my uh, group would say, all in our Kool-Aid. And he continues this in verse number four, and he calls us a, an adulterous group of people. He's speaking to the people back at that time, but I believe everything that he says comes to uh, true and would be effective or, or um, applicable for us today. He, he declares that when he looks at the church, he sees a group of people who are at war with themselves. Not the unity, not the transformed, godly, uh, beloved community, but a group of people who are not only at war with ourselves, but really at war with God. And so James is calling us into this moment of clarity. I, I called the title of the sermon today, Choosing Your Battle Lines, because I believe he, he, he's using this language of conflict and, 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 and tension and turmoil, which, which is very much military, militaristic terms. And I think the scripture calls us to choose a side and act accordingly. So I want to I unpack that a little bit. Uh, as, we, as we look at the scripture, I think there's kind of three portions, three kind of blocks of scripture. You have the first part where James starts out, and he's very clear. He's asking us, what's the problems that you're having with other believers? And that's important to understand, first of all. He's not talking about believers and non-believers. He's talking about inside the family. When the family isn't getting along, what's really going on? What's really causing the dissension? And, and he talks about, he's like he's been spying on us, like he's got, you know, cameras looking inside our sanctuaries and inside our, our meeting rooms and inside our Bible studies. He says you're quarreling and you're fighting and, and, and you're, you're upset and you're biting at each other because you can't get what you want. That'd be a good spot for an amen or an oh me, by the way. But don't worry about it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. 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 He sees us, and he says, you're so busy chasing the desires of your heart that not only are you destroying one another, but you're separating yourself from God. That should cause all of us to pause and consider the words that we say and the thoughts that we think and the ways that we are living, because as we know, he said, you will be known as my children by your Love for one another. So again, James is getting right down to the heart of the matter. And, and, and so he ends up making this statement. I'm going to jump around the scripture a little bit, but I, I want to point us to what's the kind of the punchline. He says in verse 7, submit yourselves to God. Given the problems that you're having, the solution to the problem is to submit yourself to God. Now, 
We don't hear a lot of submit sermons, as I mentioned earlier. It's not really popular in American Christianity to talk about. It's one of those words we don't really like. And, and when I thought about it, I went back to what, what's under, un, under my, my consciousness when I think about that word. So I just kind of cringe at it. And, and I'm going to take a quick side road. What I re- realized is submit for me goes back to ninth grade. I was, I was in a P.E. class in the eighth grade. I went to a small school, and, and an option for the P.E. class was wrestling. And so I took the wrestling option, and you learn all the basic moves and the takedowns and the techniques, and, and I was pretty good because there was only about four of us in the class. So out of that four, I was a pretty good wrestler. And, and then I went to high school the next year, and it was a much bigger high school, and about three or, I didn't know anybody at the school, so about three or four weeks into the new school year, I, I see the flyer to go to wrestling tryouts, wrestling practice. So I'm thinking, hey, I'm pretty good at wrestling. So I go into wrestling practice. You should read the fine print before you do uh, things and decisions. Um, what I came to find out is that the high school that I went to had been the national state champions in wrestling for about 10 years running. They were continuing state champions through the time I was there and had several undefeated state champions in that room. And so that explains why when I walked into the wrestling room, it was about 436 degrees in there and everybody was real serious about this wrestling thing. And I don't know what I'm doing. But I go, and the coach lines me up, and he says, okay, you're going to work with these two guys. And so we start wrestling, and, and um, I'm just getting thrown all over the place <laughs> viciously. And, and they call some of these holds submission holds. And so I am very familiar with the concept of submission <laughs> because I'm getting bounced around the mat mercilessly. And so I, that's the sign. Stop. And so... I'm submitted, and then we switch up, and I go to another guy, and not only did he continue to bounce me around, but he said, I'm going to show you all the illegal stuff you can do when you've got somebody in submission because the ref can't see you. And so he's like poking my ribs and gouging my eyes, and it turns out that he was a little upset because I didn't know anybody, and one of the few people that I met was his girlfriend. He wasn't very happy about that, so I got the extra special submitment treatment. By the way, Brian, uh, thank you. I'll be sending you my therapist bills for that little (laughs) walk down memory lane. But I'm, I'm bringing that up because submission is painful. We we don't like the idea of being submitted, and you know what? We're exactly right. And James doesn't hold back from that reality. He says, "Submit to God." And when we think about submission to God, what we got to talk about is that this is not, it's not just you just lay there and just let it happen to you. Submission, I think, is one of the most powerful spiritual disciplines we can have as we walk with Christ. I was thinking about as I was watching the baptism, that there was choices made today. There was decisions made today to give up something, to pay the cost to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And while we don't need to get into the tub every day, my Bible says, take up your cross daily. Die every day to be a part of the kingdom of God. 
Every day I got to remind myself that it is not my will, not my desires, not my passions, and certainly not my thinking that should be the guiding light in my life. I submit myself. I make every thought captive to the word and will of God. And it's hard. It takes intentionality. There's an activity. It's not a passive exercise. And you know the other thing? Submission is mostly internal. Nobody can tell you you're submitted to Christ. You can put on the show of submission. You can have all the trappings of being fully submitted. You can, you can have leadership roles, and Lord knows if we see somebody with a gift, we can shower them with accolades, but it's an internal process to say, God, you know me. Before I was formed in my mother's womb, you knew me. Every thought, every desire. And I have to have that internal conversation. Today, will I choose God more than I choose myself? Amen. Every day. One of the hardest things we can do. I say it's worth it. I say God's grace is sufficient. I say the rewards are better than the sacrifices, but that doesn't make the journey any easier. When is the last time you sat still and reflected on your life and said no to yourself and said yes to the Spirit of God? I want to bring that up. There's an interesting statement here in verse number 5. I I actually want to give it to you in the New Living Testament because I like the way that he said it. Uh, In James 4, 5 in the New Living says, Do you think that scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate and the spirit he placed within us should be faithful to him. (laughs) If you're a child of God, that means he put something inside of you. That doesn't fit with anything else that's inside of you. You have the seeds of divinity dwelling within you, and they are longing, battling with our desires and our thoughts and our, and our sinful nature. They are battling because that seed he planted in you of divinity wants to be perfectly aligned with the Father. And so there's this tension that we feel. It's a longing for everyone who calls himself a follower of Christ. Something in you is desiring you to look just like Jesus, to think just like Jesus, to walk and to talk and to respond to people and to forgive people and to love people just like Jesus did to you. And it's calling out, won't you do it today? And every now and then we say yes. And so I want us to wrestle with that. I want us to wrestle with the choice to submit. It's a choice. Every day, I choose my own desires or I choose God. Matter of fact, it's not even a daily decision. Oftentimes, it's a moment by moment. Every interaction, every conversation, everything that comes in from the outside world is an opportunity to manifest the spirit and nature of God or manifest my own flesh. I have a million opportunities today to become more like Christ or move further away from him. And so I, I want to kind, of, kind of frame this in these three ways to think about submission. 
And I want to go right from Scripture. Look, look, look at what he says in, in this section of 4 through 7 of James, if you have your Bibles open. Look at these words he uses. Resist. Resist the devil. Come near me. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts. Grieve. Change. Humble yourself. These are not passive words. Every day when we interact with people, is this the mindset? Is this how somebody watching us would describe what we're doing in that moment? Submission takes initiative. It takes inertia. It takes intentionality. And he says we spend so much time, I think, in the last part, making, making light of things that grieve the heart of God. He looks at our interactions and our reactions and our comments, and he's the spirit within us is grieved and it calls us to repent. Another word we don't like that much. When is the last time you repented because the spirit of God in you compelled you to look at yourself as God sees us without the blood of Jesus covering? He says, on our best day, I'm a filthy rag. On my best day, I fall so far short of the glory of God that, that I, 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 I am steeped in sin. And, and we have that reality, not that we stay in that spot, but then that gives us all the more reason to rejoice that his blood has washed away our sin. And somehow this beautiful, holy God loves me enough not to leave me there. How do I go through any day and not rejoice in the fact that I've done nothing to deserve the love that God has heaped on my life? And he asks us, will you choose to be light in dark places? Here's the process. We submit to God. We repent. We come before the throne of grace with humility. And it says, God then gives us his grace. Grace doesn't just show up. It's a response to God seeing a heart that wants to be near him. And the grace that we show one another gives us the example to show the world that this God can do things far beyond our own abilities. This God can enable people who the world should sh who would say have nothing in common, should, should not have any relationship with each other, who, who actually should be out to get one another in this dog-eat-dog, -dog, divisive world. It's a mystery, the people that love each other in the body of Christ. There's no other explanation besides the love of God that binds our hearts together because we're not on the same economic scale. We're not on the same social scale. We don't, we don't like the same politics. We, we don't have anything in common, but God's grace is enough to make us one family. And so we choose to love one another and be the light in the dark world. The second choice I want to say that you could frame this up is choosing life. Choosing life. Here's where I want to go back to James 1 for just a moment. It says, then after sin has, uh, excuse me, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we may be a kind of first fruit. Fruits of all he created. When we don't have any intentionality about submitting ourselves to God, we fall into the habit of being sin-filled, worldly-minded people. You don't have to try to be sinful. It just shows up. 
You don't have to tell a, a toddler to be selfish, <laughs> to want what they want, to have desires. We're just wired for it. But it takes an intentionality to say, I will die to myself and be reborn by the Spirit of God that today I may reflect my daddy. His thoughts, his ways, his words, his love, his new life. And here's the good news. He gives us plenty of opportunities to do it. I used that phrase earlier, die to self. Let me follow James Mullen and, and get in your Kool-Aid for a second. How was your household this morning? I'm a new empty nester, so it's just my wife and I. But I remember a few years ago trying to get three, four kids ready to go to church Sunday morning, and you got a bunch of things on your mind. You're trying to get there, and kids are sleepy and running late, and, and, and it can be chaotic. And not everything that happens on Sunday morning looks like Jesus. It could be some harsh words said. It could be some less than holy attitudes conveyed. But even in our households, we have the opportunity to manifest the life, the new life, the new, the new being, the new identity of God. God gives us special opportunities to show that we are not the same creation we used to be. In this country, we call them holidays. In just a few weeks, many of us will have the outlaws, I mean in-laws, coming over for dinner to spend some quality time with that cousin, uncle, sister, brother-in-law, the ones you only have to see a few times a year, and then now you're forced, I mean, given the opportunity to be together for a few hours over a meal. <laughs> Help us, Lord. <laughs> but it's an opportunity to not let those same patterns. One of my favorite scriptures, I'm not going to go down this road, but Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to know, test, and approve what God's good and perfect will is. You have an opportunity to demonstrate that you are a transformed creation this Thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. You're not going to bait me like you usually do, not this year. Get behind me, Satan. We're not going to have that conversation. I'm going to love you through Thanksgiving dinner. We have opportunities to put life into places where there have been brokenness. God talks about bringing dead bones. Is there a relationship that you could renew? Is there a conversation that you could bring new life or new possibilities into? Could you forgive someone that has hurt you? Now, again, I don't have time for that tangent, but forgiveness does not mean no boundaries. I'll let Pastor Brian talk about that later. But we can still have boundaries for health, but, but, but forgiveness eats away at our joy and the life that we have in Jesus Christ when we have unforgiveness and bitterness. What are the opportunities to show the new life that you have in Christ this holiday season? Last one. Choose light. Choose life. I want to encourage you to choose love. Choose to love. 
to me, again, this gets very, very practical. I want you to think about the last tense conversation or two that you've had with someone that you know loves Jesus. Could, could be in a household, maybe in our church family. When is the last kind of tension that you felt? Larry, I'm giving you a minute. Think about it. Think of one. I want to ask you, have you made room for the spirit that God planted in you to talk to you about that tense situation? Have you really given the spirit room to do all the things that it does? Teach, convict, remind, rebuke, encourage, transform. Where was the love that you demonstrated in your last disagreement or tense situation? Do you go back and look at it? Do you ask God to reveal to you not just why you were right, but the opportunities that you missed to submit in that conversation? Do you give God's room and spirit to direct your response to those times where you fell short? I've been living this out uh, very recently this week. This week, um, again, I'm relatively new to my role. Uh, my leadership style is much different than my predecessor. And so I'm coming in with kind of a different way of operating for a wonderful staff. Uh, we have an incredible, gifted a dedicated staff in, in the Pacific Southwest Conference, some of whom you've probably met with, but it is an awesome staff of faithful believers and servants. And, and I'm a little different than they're used to. And so uh, we can get in these cycles. We just came back from planning week, and we're planning out the next year. And once I get in planning week, again, I was a project man. I get all excited about laying it out and the task and what's going to go where. I get all excited. Not everybody's wired like that in the kingdom, I found out. Um, <laughs> And so sometimes I can come across a little strong. And so this week, I literally apologize to every single person on my staff. Can I tell you a secret? I didn't like it that much. It wasn't that fun. I, I really found myself making myself do it. And it wasn't anything crazy. I didn't say anything uh, out of bounds or uh, unreasonable. I just realized that sometimes in my, my, my effort to get from A to Z and my desire to have this thing go the way I want it to go, I can overrun other people's feelings and perspectives and the way that God has uniquely made them. I just ran right over it because I knew where we needed to go. And God convicted me. And since I had given the spirit room to nudge me, I went back to every single staff person and said, you know what, I just want to acknowledge that what I said and how I said it wasn't right. Which kind of gets me to this next part. In this, in this, in this loving people, uh, first we got to make the time to reflect, and then we got to do an examination. And here's what, here's what I went through. This may be helpful for you. I first thought, did what I say was right? Was I right? Of course I was right. I'm always right. That's not even my time there. I'm always right. So even when what I said was right, how I said it was wrong. I'm going to let that one sit for a minute. 
even when I was right, how I communicated it was wrong. Even if I, if I communicated right, my second point, even if I, if I managed to say it the right way and how I communicated was kind, my motives were really wrong. We weren't really having a conversation. I was really just trying to figure out how to get this conversation to go where I wanted it to go. My motives were wrong. Even if my behavior and my motives came out okay, I felt like I was good about what I was doing. If I'm honest, sometimes I was judging them for not being on board with me and us having to have this conversation in the first place. I know what James was talking about. Maybe you do as well. There is room for God to move, to correct, to realign our natural way of being so that we can be more submitted to him. There's one of the last scenarios I want to talk about. What if they're just wrong? What if you're right and they're wrong? Conflict is going to come up. We're not always going to agree. There's going to be times when we are in clear disagreement, theologically, uh, spiritually, relationally, uh, leadership-wise. There's going to be conflict in the body of Christ. What do we do when they're just wrong? I, reminded, I was reminded of this statement, one of my favorite quotes from Billy Graham. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. It's my job to love. We never get around the commandment from God that if we are children of God, our responses, our actions, our words, our thoughts are supposed to be motivated from love. All the love we receive from our Father is supposed to be manifested in our relationships with our brothers and sisters. So, as I get ready to close, I want you to just think about James and the direction that he gave us to choose light, to choose life, and to choose love, and to remember, my brothers and sisters, that as difficult as it is, you were made for this. <laughs> James says all these things. He gives us some hearts, accusations. He makes us look at ourselves in the mirror. But he's calling us back to God, who says his grace will be there to receive us when we turn ourselves back to God. And so after the end of that, what we have to remember is that even in my flawed, fallen state, I am called to be part of the body of Christ. Which means God has plans for me and plans for us far beyond what I can ask, think, dream, or imagine. And he said that you are salt. And you are light. There is a broken, hurting world that will be transformed one person, one heart, one mind at a time by the faithful unity of the body of Christ, loving each other and being submitted to the will of God. I want to show you this picture. I think it can come up. There's a picture. Think of yourself as this one single little candle. I used to do this with the youth years ago. There would be a, a, a I make the room completely black. And then I would have one candle in the middle. And it was amazing how light 
cuts through darkness. And then what we would do is one at a time, we would pass the candle around from one person to another. And all of a sudden, when everybody's light was shining, the darkness disappeared. That's my prayer for you, PCC. Every one of you is the light of Jesus. Let it shine. Not by itself, not under a bushel, not for your benefit, but for the benefit of this family that we call the body of Christ and for the benefit of a broken world who is looking to see that the God that we sing about is willing to move and transform and heal their broken lives as well. I think it's particularly important. This is my last thought. I know that we're in the midst of a season change in your church. Transitions are always challenging. Times of disruption always bring up all kinds of stuff, sometimes not the best of us. No better moment than for this body to say we individually and collectively will submit ourselves to God. We will love each other well. We will die to ourselves so that the name and witness of Jesus Christ may shine brightly in our conversations, in our decision-making, and our witness to this broken world. My prayer is that you seek God, not individually, but as a community, waiting to see what God is going to do because the days in front of you will be even more glorious than the ones behind you. Can I pray for you? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this book of James, which, which cuts through all of our excuses and all of our denials and calls us back to the throne room of grace so my prayer is that each and every one of us submits to your will, to your authority, to your power, and to your grace and mercy. God, help us all to seek your face. Help us to be mindful that each day we need to die to ourselves, that we may make room for the seed of the spirit of God that you have planted in us. And God, when we're fearful and uncertain, would you remind us that you are faithful? That the same God who delivered the, the Hebrews from the, the Egyptian, the same God who delivered David from the, from the mouth of the lion and the claw of the bear, the same God who, who is able to do more than we can ask, dream, or imagine, that same God is calling out to us and promises that you will respond to all those who seek you with a humble heart. Help us, Father, to seek your face, to trust your truth in your word, and to do it together in love. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's children said amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California. 
and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.